Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a couple of great guests all the way from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Lowhorn Buckle and Austin Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to chatting with you, Victor. So, Lo, you and I have worked together on a number of different projects. We've known each other for a number of years, and you've been on the show before as well. Why don't you take a moment, just give a little bit of your journey into the world of real estate investing, and then we'll talk to Austin and get the same from you. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been involved in real estate since 2007. Did one project that didn't go particularly well because when I was trying to sell a house, the Great Recession happened. So that was a great lesson. You know, your first deal is right in the middle of the worst economic crisis of my generation. So that's kind of how I got started in the business. And it was good. I learned a lot from those things and ultimately started moving into, you know, single family portfolios and uh, multifamily investing. And then fast forward now, I pretty much exclusively focus on assisted living operations and development, uh, and also uh, dementia care. Um, but I do also uh, work uh, with Austin, who I guess we'll hear from in a second, on um, uh, townhouse build-to-rent projects, which we think are a really cool option in the marketplace and provide uh, some interesting concepts that some other types of uh, asset classes don't. So right now, I guess my story is that I focus on sort of commercial uh, development projects in the townhouse and assisted living and memory space. I love it. So Austin, over to you. You come at it more from the construction side, correct? Yeah. Well, I actually started as a real estate agent back in 2008. Um, My brother, uh, I joined him up. He was an agent before me uh, with Keller Williams. We're at EXP now, but we basically, I joined him up and uh, he was kind of a a solo agent. We decided to put this thing into a, a proper business and started growing pretty tremendously. So now he, he kind of runs that side of things. I cut my teeth really on uh, single family uh, flips and rentals and uh, GCing those and flipping those. And basically we had a divide and conquer type of business partnership, uh, which eventually led to several developments going on in uh, Denton, Texas, where a couple of which um, is kind of our, our niche, which is, come, uh, is single family build to rent products. We kind of were ahead of the curve a little bit. And so that's kind of currently where we are. Uh, we've also got a assisted living uh, deal with Lowe that I'm handling the uh, construction and development side. One thing certainly true in a lot of metro areas, falling home ownership. A lot of people have, are sitting on tons of student debt. And that student debt is making people rent for a long, long time. They're starting families long before they're ready to buy a house. And that's creating a lot of either medium-term renters or in some cases, lifetime renters. That was not the case in maybe previous generations. And yet, you know, people grew up living in a house. They they don't necessarily want to move into a fourplex. They don't necessarily want to move into an apartment complex. And you guys have identified this need in the marketplace. And tell me how that plays out in particular in the Dallas market and various Dallas suburbs like North Dallas. What we're finding is that there, you're right, there is a, there's an absolute trend going on. Um, uh, American dream is not really home ownership anymore, um, especially with the uh, millennials and younger generations. And some of them can't because of the student debt and things like that, rent. Others just choose not to. We, we kind of live in this sharing economy and, and whatnot. So we've seen this transition happening. And what really stood out to us... We had several 
good buddies that do multifamily and I'm not here to, to put down anybody in, in multifamily. I think it's a great asset class. I never wanted to get involved in this really highly competitive race versus all these apartments. And I, what I found is that the way it played out here in the single family build to rent is there was just a tremendous amount of demand. It was a lot easier to lease these things up. The tenants stayed longer. They take care of the properties better. For us, it's just been such a pleasant experience. Uh, it makes it a lot easier, I guess, on the management side. There's no question when you talk to property managers, the big distinction between a multifamily project and single family homes is the ease of management. Certainly in a multifamily project, you've got everything close together. And what you're talking about is rather than getting a collection of single family homes, you're talking about having something that's clustered together where you effectively can manage it exactly the same as if it was a true multifamily project without it having that feel of being in a multifamily complex for the actual residents themselves. That's absolutely right. And what really kind of struck me because I really got introduced to this concept when I met Austin. We had lunch one time that was just kind of get to know each other. And then I went up to Denton, a little about 45 minutes where I live, toward uh, the site that he's had currently developed that was a townhouse uh, built for rent. And a couple of things that I took away was number one, they were very nice, right? So you can build a really nice townhouse product for you know affordable price. The rents that he was getting were very reasonable, meaning that I could easily imagine why families or students or why people that, that wanted a single family home, maybe they wanted a little patch of yard, wanted to be drawn to that. But the thing I think I took away from my initial visit was, you know, I, I've personally lived in apartments off and on for the last six or seven years. I kind of like living in the city and I'm not like a huge fan of home ownership for myself. And uh, what I noticed was is that they didn't really have a, a ton of amenities. And while that may may not be great for the the renter, they're still renting very quickly, and they're 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 doing very well financially. But Austin essentially had found a strategy that enabled him to kind of stay out of the amenities arms race, because you know touring these apartment complexes, you just see this constant. You know, we're gonna up the we're gonna up the ante. We've got dog washing stations, and we've got you know doggy daycare, and we have yoga, and we have gyms, and and pools, and 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 the list just goes on and on. And uh, so, you know, those people were competing for that you know thirty five hundred, four thousand dollar, twenty five hundred dollar a month rent. And Austin was able to build a Class A product that you can rent for a couple thousand dollars a month or less that uh, enables someone to have a single family home and then enables him as the, as the property management and as the owner to stay out of that amenities arms race. And uh, it was really kind of fascinating for me to kind of see that. And I knew when I saw it that he was onto something and I was I really hoping one day he'd call me up and ask me to help him with the project. And here we are. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about the community of Denton. You know, one of the things that happens is real estate is, of course, hyper-local. If you talk about the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, I don't know exactly how many municipalities it is. It's, I know it's north of 20. So when we talk about real estate, even in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it really is still a hyper-local conversation. What, what applies in Arlington is different than Fort Worth is different from Richardson. Why Denton? Well, um, I actually, I'd, I'd like to take credit and say that I, I saw it from the very beginning that Denton was going to explode and all of that. I just, I kind of um, lucked into it and it, and, and really um, was able to see the demand firsthand. There's, there's several, there's several things about Denton. There's three colleges there. There are three major hospitals, and I think in total six hospitals or something of that. And so, what we found is that 
for us on the tenant-based side, we actually have the ability to lease up to um, 100% to students if we wanted to, or 100% to young families if we wanted to. You know, it's worth noting that uh, Denton is one of the fastest growing cities in the in the country. Really, we're seeing that just in the amount of demand. And it, it's really nice and comforting to have multiple demographics that you can pull from. So, for example, if we slip into a recession, uh, you know, typically uh, relying on students and student housing does much better during the recession. So it's kind of a unique market for that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Denton story is also influenced by the neighboring communities of Frisco and Plano that are really becoming corporate headquarters for many of the businesses that are relocating from New York, from California, from all over the country. And Denton is only, what, a 15-minute drive away from those now very hot, very expensive communities. There's a highway called 380 that they completed uh, years ago that it's a straight shot from from those communities. So it's not very, very far um, at all. And you're absolutely right. It, it's definitely benefited from the explosion of growth in those communities as well. You know, when we talk about growth, I'm such a believer in the laws of supply and demand And when people pick a community like Denton, it might be because of the colleges that you mentioned, uh, but often it's they're driven there for work. And so then the question is, where is the hub of employment? So when you conduct your market study, when you make the decision to build here, right in this particular location, it's got to be influenced by where where's the magnet? Where are the jobs that are driving people into that particular location? Yeah, so in Denton, um, uh, the number one employer is uh, University of North Texas. Um, so you have a major uh, state university system. Also mentioned those three colleges. The second big one is Texas Women's University. And then from there, I think you get into, if I'm not mistaken, uh, healthcare, right? So you have mostly uh, uh, hospital employers. And then uh, I know Austin's a little bit more familiar with what kind of comes down the list, but there are, what, two Fortune 500 uh, companies that headquarter in Denton? There's Peterbilt as well. The the big truck manufacturer is a big, big employer. And I believe Sally Beauty has a headquarters there as well. It's a pretty diverse market. And a lot of people think about it um, as, a, as, a, as a high quality of life market. You, you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, DFW is such a you know, big market with so many different, you know, sort of sub markets. You know, what we've seen is the all of DFW and Denton certainly would be part of DFW has, has seen lifts, right? So there's probably very few sub-markets in, in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth that have seen decreases in real estate, if any, there's probably none. But individual markets have sort of gone on runs, you know, at rates faster than the overall trends or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of people that, that want to be near a big city like Dallas, but not live in it. And so Dallas is really a story of suburban sort of secondary cities and Denton certainly qualifies as that. I think it's the sec- second most prevalent live music capital of Texas behind Austin. You know, so it's just kind of a cool college town that also has a, a grown up business feel to it as well. For me, in terms of in terms of Denton, uh, I just got lucky because my, my business partner was smart and, and said, hey, come check out Denton. So uh, like you said, he, he says he wants to take credit for it. He can. I, I, I literally uh, stumbled into it because I met him. It was kind of funny. I actually almost went to the University of North Texas. So I don't, I'd only been to Denton in like, two, in like 1999 or 2000. So fast forward 18 years later, the city is frozen in my mind as one thing. And I go and I'm like, wow, this is not the same place at all. So apparently cities can change a little bit in 18 years. So 
I, I was I was very dumb of me to think that it was frozen in time. Yeah, he was very pessimistic when I told him about Denton, and and uh, he kind of laughed it off. But I said, okay, um, just come out and take a look at it. And sure enough, he saw what what everybody else is seeing. Now, our listeners are not just from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They're from all over the country. In fact, they're from 139 countries all over the world. That's awesome. So, yeah, it really is. So uh, wherever you might be listening to this, the question is, how do you take what you saw in Denton and transplant that concept to wherever it might be that you're interested in? I would start with school rankings data, you know, without getting into um, demographics and whatnot. I've done a study by one of uh, John Burns Consulting Group, which is one of the leaders in um, single family build to rent that on a zip code by zip code level, it displays future growth, uh, household population, household income, population growth, future expectations. But when we're looking for new sites, I always try to overlay great schools ratings to it because obviously that's big driving factor in renting out these properties to families and, and the like. There are some advantages to communities that maybe are less focused on students in the sense that typically single-family build-to-rent have a lower turnover rate, which is one of your biggest expenses in any sort of multifamily. So we do notice that the students typically do stay longer than normal students because of it, but not quite as long as families. So that's why it's a nice mix. But uh, So if you could find a, a community similar to that, uh, where you could actually take from uh, the student population as well as from families. That would that's just an added bonus and kind of gives you a little recession resilience. Uh, I don't think it's absolutely necessary, though. I know you and I have talked about this many times, Victor, and this is partially your philosophy as well in some in some projects. But probably the best advice I can give and give to anybody is if you can focus on secondary and tertiary markets that have good economic drivers then you can accomplish two things. Number one is you can generally get into a price point for either land or whatever you're buying that <clears throat> enables the project to, to work better. But the, the second component is, is there's a lot of situations where um, you know, there's nobody in a boardroom in New York at a big company trying to figure out how to solve the housing crisis in Denton, Texas. And obviously, there's tons of cities all over the country that have these sort of ring cities or these, or these sort of... Uh, uh, suburban areas that are submarkets, these big cities. So rather than, you know, do all of our business in the heart of Dallas where costs are very high, it's very competitive. You venture out 30 or 45 minutes, as long as the, that secondary or tertiary market has good economic drivers, and many of them do, then you can often find better yield and less competition. And, you know, that's a really important part of our strategy and something that we really, as a team, really focused on is, is finding these these uh, suburban submarkets that that are attractive in that regard, and, and uh, talking to you, Victor, I know that's something you believe in as well. Absolutely, you know, want to look at those situations where you've got an imbalance between demand and supply, and you want to stay out of those auction type environments where auction fever takes over and there's so much competition that prices get bid out of sight. So if you can get in a slightly less competitive environment where the prices are better but the fundamentals are still really strong the inefficiency of the market can often create opportunity or at least leave opportunity uh, just sitting by the side of the road, just waiting for you to pick it up because it's been passed over. Absolutely. One of the nice things about a townhouse development is you have the potential, I don't know if you've done this or not, 
to have different exit strategies as compared with a multifamily apartment complex. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that really attracted me. Um, you know, I think a lot of the people that I spend time with, the people that I follow economically, you know, there are some concerns about where the economy's headed. And so I've spent a lot of time focused on, you know, assisted living and memory care because I feel like they have, you know, at the end of the day, if mom or dad is, is sick, it doesn't really matter if the economy's up, down, or sideways. But what I love about the townhouse uh, projects that, that Austin and I are working on is they also have some recession resistant properties because they have multiple exit strategies. So one of the things I've always thought is if you have more than one way to exit a project, then you have the flexibility to sometimes navigate difficult, you know, economics, difficult markets. So for example, obviously, you know, this prop project that Austin is working on is going to, you know, be a, a rental property that eventually you're going to sell uh, based on prevailing cap rates in the market, but you know, you could also uh, individually sell the townhouses. Um, you could also sell uh, part of the portfolio. So it's very difficult to sell a 200 unit apartment complex and sell 50 units, but it's not difficult at all to take 100 units of townhouse and maybe sell 25 to an investor at a premium. So the, the multiple exit strategies to me is very exciting. And then lastly, because it's a, you know, a class A product that rents kind of at a, a class B price in some ways, um, you know, I think it's it's not going to have some of the problems that you see in other development deals where you know they have to get thirty five hundred a month or four thousand dollars a month in rent. You know, this, these projects do very well at two thousand dollars a month, which is a lot more affordable for a lot more of the population. So, if folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way? Yeah, they can uh, email Austin at a n g development dot com. And, uh, you know, they can visit my website and kind of read a little bit about me, but that would be the, the most efficient route. Yeah. And if somebody wants to get a hold of me, my email address is low, L-O-E, at the, T-H-E, sage, S-A-G-E-O-A-K.com, low at the sageoak.com. I love it. Well, thank you both guys. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Austin and Low. Low can be reached at low at the sageoak.com. Definitely reach out to Austin as well at austin at angdevelopment.com. And for the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>